This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of iron ore and copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements at mine sites across Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com slash critical to find out more. The new government said it would deliver the Uluru Statement from the heart in full. We've now heard of plans to hold a referendum to establish a constitutionally enshrined Indigenous voice to Parliament. Like elections, voting in a referendum is compulsory in Australia, so no doubt people will want to get informed. To that end, in this Squish Shortcut, we look at how a referendum works, we decode what a voice to Parliament is, and we'll have a look at the hurdles it will come across on its way. Swiss Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. First up, Claire, we have a squeeze shortcut on the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Doesn't mean you won't understand what we're about to talk about, but honestly, if you haven't listened, do yourself a favour. It's a really good background. That's right. And it's important background because the idea is that there should be a constitutionally enshrined Indigenous voice to the parliament. And that was a key part of that statement. That statement from the heart covered three things, of which you and Larissa go into in that previous shortcut. But it's the voice that seems to be the thing that's talked about the most, especially last weekend. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese announced that there will be a referendum to create an Indigenous voice in the Constitution. Let's focus first on where he made that announcement, the Gama Festival. Yeah, it's a big one on the Indigenous calendar. Uh, Its full name is the Gama Festival of Traditional Cultures and it's Australia's largest Indigenous cultural gathering. There are four days of events in northeast Arnhem Land. It's in the Northern Territory. Uh, The site is about 40 kilometres from Nullumboy. It's hosted by the Yothu Yindi Foundation and in recent times it's seen our major political, business and academic and philanthropic leaders attending. Not an easy place to get to. I've been to Gama Festival, Claire. It is really a big deal. Gama is the local Aboriginal word meaning working together. Before we get into the voice and that announcement by the Prime Minister, it's helpful to understand what changing the constitution means and the process around it. It's been a while since there's been a change to our constitution. It sounds like something we all should understand and that we know exactly what it is, but its definition doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Yeah, and it's always good to have a refresher on these things. Uh, The Australian Constitution is our founding document. It's essentially a set of rules by which Australia is governed. Uh, Australians voted for the Constitution in a series of referendums. The Constitution establishes the composition of the Australian Parliament, how the Parliament works and the sort of powers that the federal government has. You could say it's a pretty important document, I guess. We don't change it much at all. No, it's been ages and there's a really simple reason for that. Uh, If there's going to be a change to the constitution, there has to be a referendum. The last referendum was in 1999. That was about whether Australia should become a republic and it wasn't successful. Uh, I voted in that one, Kate. I reckon that means that you're probably too young to have ever voted in a referendum. I have not voted in a referendum. I've never had the chance. I did vote in the same-sex marriage plebiscite, which a lot of people listening might recall but that was different. 
Yeah, it was. A plebiscite is a vote that essentially gauges public sentiment. Uh, There wasn't a change to the constitution required to give same-sex couples the right to marry. Yeah, there's only been four plebiscites in our national history. There's been a few more referendums, but they don't have a a good track record of success. Yeah, that's very fair to say. Uh, (laughs) The last successful referendum was in 1977. That was when four questions were put to the Australian people on things like the retirement age of judges and how to fill a Senate seat if a member goes. So basically a lot of important housekeeping, that sounds like. One question wasn't successful. That was about ensuring simultaneous Senate and House of Reps elections. On that day, Aussies also voted in a plebiscite that made Advance Australia Fair our national anthem. There's no need to get any further sidetracked by all of that, except to say that it was just one of a few referendums that have resulted in a change to the Constitution. Yeah, that's right. And to explain how to be successful in a referendum, you need a majority of voters in a majority of the states and territories. Uh, For context, there have been 19 times that Australians have gone to the polls to vote on 44 referendum questions, and only eight of those questions have been carried which underlines just how tricky it is to change our constitution and why there is a lot of focus on moves to have a constitutionally enshrined Indigenous voice to Parliament. Let's get into the details of that now. Let's start with what Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has said would be the referendum questions and go from there, Claire. A lot of focus has been on him saying it should be a simple yes or no question. Yeah, and nothing is set in stone, but at the Gama Festival, he said that the question should be something like, do you support an alteration to the constitution that establishes an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice? And to help Australians ponder that yes or no question, the government has released a draft of what the change to the constitution would be. There are three parts to it. Yeah, part one is that there shall be a body to be called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice. Part two, uh, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice may make representations to Parliament and the Executive Government on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Uh, And part three is that the Parliament shall, subject to this constitution, have power to make laws with respect to the composition, functions, powers and procedures of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. I have an image of you wearing one of those funny judge hats and reading this out, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. There's a fair bit in what you just said. The first part is simple enough. It's just that there will be a thing called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. It's pretty straightforward. The second part talks about what it will actually do. Yeah, that's right. And that it will make representations to our political representatives uh, and those in power in Canberra on Indigenous matters. And what Albanese says is that this is a simple courtesy, uh, that it's a common decency, he says. uh, And that is that Indigenous people should have a say on the things that affect them. Of course, that's just his point of view. This is a contentious topic. The third part, though, before we get into that, is that the Parliament will ultimately have the final say on how the voice will work. And there's a lot of focus on consulting Indigenous people in that process. Uh, And the whole purpose of The Voice is to ensure that there's a direct route from Indigenous communities to those at the top of our government. But when it comes to the design of the body, who's on it, what it does, how it works, all of that would have to be approved by the parliament. And Anthony Albanese has said he won't be releasing details of that ahead of a referendum. With all of that under our belt, let's make it 
really simple. The voice, Claire, would be an advisory body to the federal government on issues that impact Indigenous people. Am I there? Yep, good one. That's it in a nutshell. (laughs) And look, none of that is final, but Prime Minister Albanese says it's the first step in the process. What's not so simple is going from this point to a successful vote in a referendum. And as I alluded to, there's particularly been a lot of discussion about how much detail should be settled ahead of that vote. Let's get into that. Claire, we're working with BHP again on Weekly Wrap this week because they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key for our economy's shift to renewable energy. Yeah, so we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role that mining companies are playing in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as bridges and transportation, hospitals and schools, and a big part of it comes from iron ore. That iron ore mainly hails from Western Australia, and BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Western Australian iron iron ore is clear. Yeah, and by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. That's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. When he made this announcement, the Prime Minister said that he's thrown the government's suggestion out there to give the conversation shape and direction. That's a quote. One of the questions that's come up is why the constitution has to be changed to do this. Why can't the government just crack on with getting the voice set up and working? Why do we need to vote on it? Yeah, it's a good question and it can actually go ahead with it without changing the constitution. Mm. But this is what those Indigenous leaders have called for in the Uluru Statement from the Heart and well before that as well. Uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are not recognised as the first Australians in the constitution and as it's our nation's key document, recognition is something that campaigners say is fair and right. And you've touched on there, Claire, a topic that's sort of a whole nother thing, which is recognition of first Australians in the constitution. There'll be a lot of chat about that over the coming weeks, months, year. I'm sure there'll be a shortcut on that in our future. But back to uh, The Voice, supporters of the constitutional amendment also say that it would guarantee the existence of the body. And that's something that was not given to Indigenous bodies that have come before. Yeah, there have been these sorts of bodies that have advised governments in the past. Mm. Uh, The first was under Prime Minister Gough Whitlam. That was in the mid-1970s. It was abolished by the Hawke government in the 1980s. And in the 1990s, the Hawke government set up the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Commission. It was known as ATSIC. Uh, It was abolished by the Howard government in 2005. There were lots of corruption allegations around at the time. And since then, there have been calls from campaigners campaigners, experts, also those within the bureaucracy to have a new elected representative body. There have been calls and it was a key part of the Uluru Statement for the Heart, as we've said. That doesn't mean Indigenous leaders are on the same page, though. Yeah, and Indigenous leaders are really debating how much detail should be put forward because they also want to know what kind of body would be locked in. Mm. Uh, A big couple of names who think that it's fine to go to a referendum without much of the detail worked through uh, are Noel Pearson and Megan Davis. But Pat Turner, she's one who thinks that there should be more detail worked through. She's the lead convener of the Coalition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Peak Organisations and she's a big name in these things. 
There's also a debate amongst Indigenous parliamentarians as well. We won't go deeply into that, but that is something that's come up again and again. Turner and the Federal Coalition are on the same page, though. They say if a referendum is to succeed, the government will need to explain to the Australian people what the voice would look like. Yeah, and the Coalition's point of view at the moment is that they have open minds, but show us the details. Uh, And that's frustrating to many who support this move because they say that there's plenty of details that there have been inquiries and working groups and parliamentary committees who have worked on it for many, many years. Another issue that comes up is that all efforts should go into practical measures to improve Indigenous people's lives. So Albanese rejects that the voice is, and this is the quote, a nice piece of symbolism, but it will have no practical benefit. And he says that there's no merit to the argument, uh, and this is the quote, that advocating for a voice comes at the expense of expanding economic opportunity uh, or improving community safety or lifting education standards or helping people get health care they deserve or finding the housing that they need. Yeah, he says if governments simply continue to insist they know better than things will get worse. That's the quote. So it's clear there's some work to do before the date for a referendum is set, Claire. Yep, we've got to even cover that off. And yeah. That's very fair to say. Uh, what the Labor government says, though, is that it wants bipartisan support from the coalition for the yes case. Uh, and that's going to be important for the referendum to be successful. In the scheme of things, there's not a lot of time for all of that. Anthony Albanese says he wants to hold the referendum during this term of government, so between 2023 and early 2025. Claire, I'm too young to have been through this, as we <laughs> talked about earlier. You're an old-timer who's voted in one of these. How does it work? Yeah, really twist the knife there, don't you? <laughs> uh, so the proposed change to the constitution is put before the parliament, and if it's passed, it must be presented to voters in a referendum between two and six months later. There's a formal process for the yes and no cases. Yeah, that's right. The members of parliament prepare arguments for and against the proposed change. Those are then sent to the Australian Electoral Commission and they arrange for both cases, uh, along with a statement of the proposed change, to be mailed to every Australian on the electoral roll. The two sides also get funding from the government, but that doesn't have to be equal necessarily. No, that's right. If the government mounts a case that there's strong support for one side of the referendum, uh, it can provide significantly more financial support to that campaign. uh, And it's expected that that could happen here if the Coalition and Labor get on the same page. Fair bit to shake out with this one. Of course, as we said at the top, referendums are compulsory to vote in. So we'll try and keep you informed across this debate, across the next coming year, two years, however long it takes, Claire. On to our recommendations now. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. The Sydney Morning Herald, Claire, have a copy of Anthony Albanese's speech at Gama. They've annotated it to help make sense of it. I'm fangirling the design team at the Sydney Morning Herald. Really, really good, helpful stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a good innovation that they've picked up. Yeah. Um, on the same weekend at Gama that Albanese announced the government's plans, Archie Roach died. Uh, he was a musical performer, but he was also an advocate and a voice for 
The Stolen Generations. Uh, so I've got a link to the song that he was best known for and that's called Took the Children Away. Yeah, that's a good one. We'll also pop a link to the Uluru Statement from the Heart in full in the episode notes. It's good and easy to read. Thanks for listening to Squeeze Shortcuts. If you like our shortcuts, tell people about us. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also find a whole heap more shortcuts in your podcasting app or on our website, thesqueeze.com.au. Until next week. Thank you.